Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Golden Black Radio as we take a look at this week in Purdue Athletics. Here's your host, Kyle Charter. Purdue is starting to assemble its 2024 basketball recruiting class, starting with last week's edition of Jack Venter. Thoughts on the guards' early commitment and much more on this Golden Black Radio podcast. Kyle Charter is here with Brian Newbert, who is holed up in his office as usual, uh, this time uh, with actual reason, though, coming off the other side of COVID. Uh, how are you doing over there? I'm good. Good. Just about done with this nasty little son of a you-know-what. <laughs> yeah, I have not had my uh, my battle yet with that, as far as I know. Um, and i, I got to quit saying that, I think, because I'm, I'm sure the, the clock is ticking on me here, I would imagine. And from what I've heard with this new variant, uh, maybe I want to try and stay away from it as, as long as possible. Yeah, it wasn't fun for the first couple of days. It's not fun right now. My 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 way out of quarantine was to make sure my whole family got it. So we're all <laughs> we're all infected now. So um, it, it's been pretty it's been pretty rough on all three of us. So um, yeah. I think it's whichever variant this is or or whatever it's called now. It's it's no picnic. So stay away from it as long as you can. Uh, that said, it's probably coming for all of us at some point so it's just a matter of when and what it looks like at the time you're lucky enough for your name to be called so um but happy to be just about done with this uh hopefully no doubt let's talk a little bit uh better news here from the last week at least in terms of purdue athletics jack venter guard commits to purdue uh late last week you had sort of previewed i think that that might happen and boiling over uh, last week, and then it, it did maybe a little bit sooner than people um, expected. Tell me a little bit about the guard. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I, I think as soon as Purdue offered him, he had the one he wanted, and it was probably just a matter of when and not if. Um, this is a, a situation where, you know, he obviously could have played out July and saw what else had happened, but, you know, I, I wasn't seeing um, – in the few times I was around him during an evaluation period, I wasn't seeing the high majors actually showing up to watch him yet. I, you know, they were tracking him, they were talking to him, all that stuff, but they weren't actually coming to his games yet, uh, at least in June. Um, I think, you know, they would have this month probably, uh, but he obviously knew what he wanted, jumped all over it, and that's been kind of the MO for Purdue here uh, in the last couple of cycles. Miles Colvin, obviously, uh, Draven Gibbs Lawhorn, you know, didn't really mess around, didn't really give anybody else a chance to recruit him. You know, Jaden Ivey didn't really give anybody a chance to recruit him other than Purdue and, you know, to a lesser extent, Notre Dame. Um, that's been kind of kind of how Purdue's gotten stuff done here uh, the last couple of years is they've gotten guys before, before those guys even um, let themselves go through the recruiting process a whole lot. And, uh, that speaks to the sort of impression Purdue's been able to make uh, early on and, uh, you know, whatnot. But I think, uh, you know, it, it wasn't difficult to see why Purdue was so drawn to Jack Benner early on. Um, and he probably would have been offered earlier than he even was had, 
you know, Purdue had a little more clarity in their 2024 scholarship numbers. Not that anybody in college basketball anymore has any clarity with their scholarship numbers ever, but, um, you know, he's sort of that classic, uh, he's a big time shooter, but he's also a really, you know, skilled offensive player who can dribble and really pass high IQ sort of guy, good floor vision, a lot of versatility to him. Just the sort of guy who's going to make Purdue a better offensive basketball team when he's on the floor. You know, very similar to, to Dakota Mathias. I don't know if he's he's that good. I don't know if he's that level of a shooter. Uh, obviously, Dakota Mathias is a great player at Purdue. Um, so that comparison is a mouthful, but he's the closest thing Purdue's gotten to Dakota Mathias since Dakota Mathias. The thing about Benther, he's got some real toughness to him. He's got some real physicality to him. And that's something I think that sort of sets him apart from a lot of those other, you know, shooter types. Um, he can really post up. He can really rebound. Um, I think he'll be better defensively than some of those players of that same category Purdue's had before. Um, but just a guy that, you know, to me, uh, after seeing him a couple times, just looked like a no-brainer for Purdue because he's he's exactly what Matt Painter values. Um, the thing with with him, as I said before, was the, the scholarship numbers. I mean, when you take another two guard and you have to have a point guard and you have to have a big guy, theoretically, yeah. in that class, and you still want to get a wing. You still want to get cannon catchings. Um, I think that, uh, you know, there had to be some trepidation there in terms of how are we going to spend all of our scholarships here when we don't know yeah. uh, of our four juniors if any of them are going to come back on the back end of their career. But I think that I think Jack Benner made too much sense for Purdue, and they didn't want to let this opportunity slip away. I like it when people are, are, are dismissive of a guy that they have not seen play, like he's only a shooter or he's unranked. Like, like it, you know, Indiana has had ranked guys, uh, and and they haven't been able to shoot for a decade. <laughs> like, you, you, you sort of want guys occasionally who can, who can shoot the ball. Um, and as well, you said, that's I, maybe I not that. his – Maybe not his pigeonhole per se, but um, I, I just always find it humorous when that is like used as a as a as a negative. As negative, oh, he's just a guy. He's unranked guy who can just shoot. Okay, well, well, we literally have seen a team two hours south of here who hasn't been able to shoot the ball in a decade, and we've seen what has happened because of that. Well, he's unranked. You know, coming out of his. Uh, sophomore year in high school when no one's seen him. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I don't think players are getting seen as early on um, as they used to for whatever reason. Uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, there's a little bit in Indiana. There's a little bit of causation to that uh, in Indiana. Um, but I think that uh, looking at rankings and looking at ratings and even looking at offers right now, it's it's a little bit deceiving. I mean, look where Jaden Ivey was coming out of his junior year in high school. Um, he had Purdue and Notre Dame and I think Butler. You know, he wasn't what he was. He wasn't what he was going to be by, by a long shot then. Um, I just think that, you know, Purdue probably has its next pro committed, Miles Colvin, and he's not ranked accordingly because he's yeah. playing a little bit out of the public view, and uh, it's just as deceiving as ever. And when Purdue gets so much work done early, um, you know, when so many people now, too, are also 
you know, distracted by the transfer portal and distracted by their ability to go out and buy guys through NIL money. I think mm-hmm. that uh, there's going to be a real imbalance between, you know, what a player looks like on paper and what a player looks like in flesh and blood here. Um, at times, anyway. Not always, but at well, times. And I think anybody who understands what's made Purdue good over the years and the importance of team building and the importance of elements and the importance of offensive savvy and all of that stuff. I mean, this guy is right at a central casting for what Purdue has done, uh, for what Purdue has won with here uh, over the years, whether whether ratings or rankings or whatever, you know, um, back that up or not. Well, I, I thought your point in your column this morning was a good one, and, and maybe they go hand-in-hand hand a little bit in that, um, you know, some guys are slower to be getting offers right now just because of the the transfer portal for one. I mean, if some schools are going to recruit older kids, then uh, then freshmen or high school players, I should say, are, are maybe not going to get as many offers. That possibly could go hand-in-hand hand with with some rankings uh, as well, but you use it in the, in the point with Cannon catchings that, you know, maybe at this point in previous years, he would have more offers than what he has now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if people are putting the same, I mean, I, I, I'm only theorizing here, but when I was out on the road to start July and in June during these valuation periods, and you know, to a lesser extent in April, I don't know if I see college coaches watching younger guys the way they used to produce there, you know, um, but I don't know if it's the same situation as it was before where everybody in the Big Ten would be all over these kids when they're freshmen, when they're sophomores, and they'd be at all their games. Um, yeah. It's just not that way anymore. And whether that's a byproduct of the fact that there's a very different um, – shorter-term market now kind of available to them. I don't know, but things have changed because the example I used in my column this morning was counting catchings. Like, I don't think I'm overvaluing the player. Like, I think I have a pretty good idea at this point in my career what a good player looks like and what a what a bad player looks like, and I think I know what a high yeah. major player certainly looks like, and counting catchings is one of them. He is he is really good and he's really promising and he's got a ton of upside and he has one offer right now. And yeah. if this were 2010, he'd have 15 offers. If this hmm. were 2015, he'd have eight to 10 offers right now. He has one. And that's, I have to think that is entirely a product of the fact that the people who would be offering him at this point, Indiana, Illinois, uh, namely, are going to recruit transfers every year. I think those are two teams that are, are intent to turn over their roster every year with older guys. Uh, I think they're always going to have 20-year-olds um, all over the place or you know, 20-plus-year-olds all over the place in their lineup. Uh, both of them have NIL money to, to burn uh, in recruiting. And, you know, I think that under any, under any other circumstances, I think that Ken Catchings is a guy who'd have a bunch of offers right now. And when a guy has a bunch of offers, you know, he has a tendency of getting rankings, too. Um, and I'm, I'm not just saying yeah. because, because people get ranked just based on how many offers they have. I'm saying that, you know, we tend to go out of our way to see the players who are making news. And yeah. um, 
you know, if a player is not getting offers, he's not necessarily making news. So I think that this is a pretty good reflection of kind of this moment in recruiting history right now, Cannon Catchings, that is. That's just my theory. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a pretty good theory. Um, but I think that uh, I think this is a very different time in recruiting right now uh, than ever before. And I think it's a bit of a window of opportunity for Purdue because the less stuff is coming at these guys early on, you know, it gives Purdue maybe a little bit of an opportunity to get more of its guys, you know, I don't want to say easily, but relatively easily, relatively unopposed. Yeah. Um, I think I think Jack Benner would be the first example of that. I, I, I don't want to sit here and say Jack Benner is an example of the fact that he'd have had a bunch of offers from people who are going to be recruiting transfers and spending NIL money all the time. I don't know if that's reality. I think he's the sort of guy who, like, a Wisconsin would have been, you know, on in time. A Northwestern would be on in time. Butler mm-hmm. would have been on in time. You know, kind of things like that. But Cannon Catchings is a guy who – you know, would have Xavier, Indiana, Illinois, if this were a few years back. Uh, instead, yeah. it's just Purdue. And if Purdue can get that one done, you know, relatively early, that would be a that would be an enormous deal too. As you said earlier, almost impossible these days to predict how many players will be in a class. But if you were going to project it out, maybe four players in that twenty-four class, a wing, maybe Catchings is that guy. And then you almost certainly have to have a point guard and a, and, a, and a center as the rest of that group, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think your numbers are uh, dependent on your junior class um, and that COVID year. Uh, you have four juniors yeah. right now. I think we can all agree that Zach Eady is probably going to move on and play professional basketball um, either in the next year or the year after that. Um, I, I, I think the chance of him spending a six-year in college or nil um you know brandon newman and mason gillis both would have to be in college for six years you know who knows i mean it's not outside the realm of possibility um but one would think that after five years in college uh, be looking to move on uh the one who makes a ton of sense would be ethan morton to come back because his freshman year was in a wash it would essentially retroactively buy him a redshirt year which would make a lot of sense. I think that would be great for the program to get him back. I think it'd be great for him uh, to come back for another year on the back end. But we're talking about this here when these guys have played half of their eligibility. So it's kind of absurd that, you know, this already comes to the forefront, but it sort of does. Um, Let's say you bring one back. Uh, That takes you to three. I still think you oversigned to get to four. Uh, but who knows? I mean, any number of things can happen here in the next 12 months, too, where you could lose guys, you could add guys. It's just it's such a moving target. Uh, scholarship numbers, as I like to say, are but a figment of our imagination. Um, <laughs> and we'll, But I would have to think Purdue in 2024, four is going to be the number, uh, most likely. And as you said before, um, if you – I think you have to have a point guard. You must have a point guard. Um, I think I don't think he'd ever want to sign a class, a four-man class without any front court presence. So I think a center or at least a big four who can, you know, do a couple different things maybe are real emphases. If you get Cannon Catchings and you have Jack Benner already committed, um, that kind of that kind of that kind of uh, kind of boxes you in a little bit in terms of what you have to do with the rest of your scholarships. But um, 
I don't think that's necessarily problematic because you have to get what you have to get. But I think biggest need then becomes, you know, point guard uh, more than anything because you have Braden Smith for the entirety of his career now. But I think that uh, I think you need that position, you know, well-stocked. And I think Draven Gibbs-Lawhorn is coming in in 2023, but I think that's a player who uh, is best suited to be put in position to score and not having to worry about much else beyond scoring, very similar to when Carson Edwards came to Purdue technically as a yeah. point guard. And that point guard, that point guard uh, in him lasted about two weeks because they realized as soon as he got <laughs> to campus, hey, we don't want this guy worrying about anything but putting the ball in the basket. And yeah. I, I think that's going to be the deal for Draven Gibbs-Lawhorn. So even though he looks like a point guard, even though he he's sized like a point guard, uh, he's going to have the ball in his hands. I think he's probably a guy that you want to you want to put around other point guards too. Um, yeah. So point guards can be an enormous need in that class. In twenty in twenty three as well. Uh, well, you, I mean, the, the problem in twenty three is you're you're basically out of scholarships. I think. Yeah. You know, if Purdue can get Xavier Booker, um, I think that they'd oversign to take him. But I. I Outside of that, I think you're just – I think you're full. So it would be great yeah. to get a point guard in 2023. So if they're willing to oversign for Booker, maybe if they don't get Booker, maybe there's somebody hanging out there that, that they can add at the last second. I don't know, Marcus Burton maybe. Um, but as of right now, I think it's Xavier Booker or bust. And you do have to kind of put yourself in a little bit of a compromising position just to get Booker, even if you can. Right. So I think it would be ideal to take one in 2023 because, you know, you have, you know, at, at this moment, Braden Smith is the only point guard on your roster. So right. it's great to bring in another one right behind him um, or a one-year transfer next year to help you with depth or whatever. Um, but as of right now, I, I just don't see where the scholarship comes from to be able to do that for 2023. That said, I mean, I'm, I'm talking myself in circles here. If you, if you're willing to oversign for Booker and you, you don't get Booker, what's to say you're not willing to oversign for somebody else who can, you know, be a point guard for you. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll uh, hit on a little bit of football recruiting as well. Uh, let's do that next. This is gold and black radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals and incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. The warm and inviting dining room features cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the Energize and Attentive staff is here for you. East End Grill in downtown Lafayette. Welcome to our table. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. 
It's time to boiler up and join the Brom squad by gearing up with the best selection of Purdue apparel in stock only at Follett's. Visit the Black and Gold Mine store across from Mackey or Follett's Purdue West on State Street for the best game day apparel from Nike, Columbia, Champion, Cutter and Buck, and more. Shop Follett's late on game day weekends. Follett's has been your Purdue game day stop since 1945. If you can't make it to the game, shop online at FollettsPurdue.com. Often, things are worth more than they seem. For Purdue grad and NASA astronaut Jerry Ross, incredible value was found in the Purdue Alumni Visa, not just because of the exclusive Purdue card designs, but for the unlimited cash back and out-of-this-world visa benefits. Discover the official Purdue Alumni Visa credit card. Apply today at PurdueFed.com. Purdue Federal Credit Union. Belong where you have worth. Federally insured by NCUA. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. Welcome to Golden Black Radio as we take a look at this week in Purdue Athletics. Right about five minutes left here on the, uh, the podcast on this Monday. Let's talk a little bit of football recruiting Purdue with 18 total commitments ranked number 24 in the country by rivals.com seems like Purdue's done a pretty good job of capitalizing on its nine win season of a year ago man that defensive line class uh with four guys Drake Carlson Micah Carter Sadiq Clemens Will Helt uh that seems like a pretty good foursome that that could get even a little bit better if uh Purdue's able to land Kendrick Gilbert here uh, soon. Yeah, I, I, I think you have a chance to get a lot better uh, if you get Kendrick Gilbert. Um, you know, it, it's really hard to recruit, you know, good, physically ready defensive tackles. It's one of the – I think it's one yeah. of the harder positions to recruit um, and one of the most important. Um, part of the reason for that is the guys who are big enough and strong enough to do it uh, generally aren't athletic enough to do it. And the guys who are athletic enough to do it, um, big and physical enough. So you're almost always giving up something there. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, what Purdue's been able to do in this class is they've been able to get, you know, one of the better groups of defensive tackles uh, that they've gotten yeah. in Drake Carlson and Sadiq Clements right now, maybe Kendrick Gilbert, uh, to join them. And while those guys, while expecting defensive tackles to walk in and help you right away, um, is a big ask. Uh, you know, I, I think if those, I think I think I think those guys seem like a group that can start at a higher point than most, you know, freshman interior linemen can, and uh, you know, might be a situation where you have a pretty good uh, you have a pretty good group there in like year two that kind of thing. But that's kind of the strength of the class right now, I think. Uh, and then obviously looking at, you know, pretty being able to apparently hold on to Ricky Collins at quarterback is a really big deal too. Um, not just because you're getting a really good player, Ricky Collins, but because if you'd lost Ricky Collins in June, then you're back to the drawing board at quarterback and quarterbacks all commit early. So the pickings there would yeah. be relatively slim. So you, the problem with quarterback decommitments when they occur is that it can take you from having a really good player to having 
a player that was playing or somebody you ran out and got in a pinch, that kind of thing. And that's too important a position, you know, to really be able to, mm-hmm. for it to be optimal to be doing that, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I, I think Purdue needs some more offensive linemen. Yeah. That being said, the high school need nowadays is 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 less important than ever because you know take the offensive line for example I think every year Purdue's going to recruit transfer offensive line every single mm-hmm. year that's been the case for years now that that's been the case since before the transfer portal Purdue was recruiting JUCOs every year on, under yeah uh, I think it started under Danny Hope but certainly under Daryl Hazel they were trying to get JUCOs every year. Um, and then when the graduate transfer showed up, you know, when uh, when Jeff Brom got the job, they were looking for, for, for graduate transfers every year and then outright transfers every year. And I don't think that's going to change because that that's a position where, you know, it's a little bit more challenging to recruit. It's a little bit more challenging to get the really high-end recruit, but also one where I think it, they're harder to develop. I think your success rate developing those guys is a little bit different. And the level of importance associated with having older, bigger, stronger, more physically developed guys is there. So I think, you know, the offensive line is going to be a transfer portal priority every single year. So when we sit here saying Purdue needs more high school offensive linemen, do they? I think we have no idea. Um, (laughs) Well, and you just don't want to take three years developing a guy who then transfers to, you know. I mean, that's, uh, that's the downside, right? Investing right, three years I, in a guy. I tend to work under the assumption that if a guy is in the rotation, if a guy is playing, if a guy is a starter, he's probably not going to transfer. But I mean, who knows how this is going to go? We've obviously already seen Marvin Grant leave Purdue despite being a starter, so that he could go and roll at the worst college football program in the country. Um, <laughs> so who knows? Who knows what players are going to do? But I tend to think that, you know, from an offensive line perspective, those guys, if they're in line to play, if they're in, certainly if they're in line to start, I think those guys are going to stay put. Um, I think and the academics yeah. tend to be important offensive linemen too. So I also think offensive linemen kind of come in with a different mentality. I don't think they're like, you know, a lot of other positions where they kind of come in expecting to be on the field right away. And if it doesn't happen for them, yeah. their mindset changes. I think offensive linemen are different that way. I think they come in, thinking that, you know, that they're all going to redshirt and then we'll see what happens after that. So I, I, I don't think that's as big a deal there, but I think that your success rate in developing them, I mean, you can go back and crunch the numbers probably, how many of these guys have signed with Purdue as freshmen over the span of many years and gone on to be starters. I mean, just look how many guys' careers have ended due to injury here in the last year or two alone. It, right. it, 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 it it's a position fraught with peril in that regard. And it's yeah. just, there's a practicality too, to just relying on the transfer portal there as well. Yeah. Might be a situation where Purdue has an easier time at that position recruiting as well, because a lot of the other positions offensively might be in good shape. You know what I'm saying? You, <laughs> there might be a lot of instances where Purdue has a quarterback. It has receivers, it has a tight end. Uh, and it can just go out and tell a guy, hey, we've got a good offense, but we need a starting right guard transfer here. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. seems like a pretty good argument to make. Hey, we're out of time, Brian. Thank you. All right.
Thank you. All right, uh, that'll do it for the podcast for this week. Of course, uh, back next Monday, we'll get uh, Tom Dean Hart back in, get a little preview for uh, training camp. We'll uh, do that and much more. Big Ten Media Days, of course, as well. All right, that'll do it for the podcast for this week. Thanks to our sponsors, for Brian Newbert, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 